0: 2020 and 2021 will have a long term impact on fair market value and Stark Law compliance. What impact, you ask? Well, I am about to tell you.
1: Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity,
0: Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Well today we are going to be talking about the impact covid has had and in- I guess as we're listening to this, we either have entered or will be soon entering into the post-COVID world. And I want to talk about the impact COVID has had on Stark Law compliance and fair market value. But I guess we've had a double whammy, so to speak. Uh, We've had COVID, which obviously struck a lot of physician compensation arrangements, which will impact fair market value for Stark Law and anti-kickback statute compliance. But also beginning in 2020, we had the modifications of the work RVU values. And because of those modifications, a lot of organizations responded to those modifications differently. And so that will definitely have an impact on compensation and benchmark data going forward. And that's the purpose of this episode is to talk about what has happened and what impact COVID and the 2021 physician fee schedule WRV modifications and also the 2022 physician fee schedule modifications and the impact on physician compensation and Stark Law compliance. And for those of you who have been listening to Stark Integrity, I hope that you either realize or are going to listen to more episodes where I am going to start to interview individuals within the industry and to get their perspectives on Stark Law and a kickback statute, fair market value, commercial reasonableness, and the like. So in, in the Stark Integrity podcast, I'm going to start to have some conversations with national leaders or thought leaders uh, in this area, too. So hopefully you're going to enjoy those sessions. So before I talk about the impact COVID and the 2021 and the 2022 physician fee schedule have had and will have in the future, I want to talk just briefly about where physician compensation has been trending. And there is a a notice increased in physician compensation if you will look from like calendar years 2012 Going forward, up until the time of COVID, we have seen a, an increase in physician compensation and also the percentage of in, increases in, in compensation. It varies by specialty, obviously, uh, but we have seen those percentage to be very large. And so, just wanted to take you from like 2012 to 2019, various specialties have had total cash compensation increase. Uh, by way of example, cardiologies had OB has had a 20% increase, Uh, infectious disease has had a 32% increase, urology a 20% increase, and hospitalist medicine has had a 30% increase. And when you compare that with some specialties where you typically do not have a hospital acquisitions or large aggregate of employment arrangement with physicians, like, for example, pathology. Pathology only over a 10-year has had a total cash increase of about 6.8%, and dentists, which usually are not employed by hospitals, uh, have had only about a 13% increase over a 10-year period. So we have seen that with the acquisition of physician practices and the employment of physicians by hospitals and also large physician group practices, an increase and usually this increases is greater than the cost of living but we've seen an increase in these various specialties in total cash compensation and we have also experienced and in my practice with my clients around the country i have experienced that in addition to just straight clinical compensation there's a lot of other different types of compensation that are embedded into a physician's total cash these include production incentives quality incentives a non-physician practitioner collaboration or supervision incentives, patient satisfaction and administrative payments like medical staff participation or medical directorship. So there's been a large increase in the percentage of non-clinical compensation. And a recent survey, when we're looking at family medicine, it was projected that in the total cash compensation of physicians reporting to benchmark surveys, about 9% of the total cash compensation is coming from sources other than direct patient facing clinical compensation. So I think that when we start to look at the fair market value of physician compensation arrangements, we have to be cognizant of the fact that physicians, when they're reporting to benchmark surveys, are having a lot of additional compensations that are not directly tied to clinical patient facing compensation. And then COVID happened. So we had great reduction in providing clinical services unless they were related to COVID. Obviously in emergency medicine and also hospitalist medicine, some of the primary care medicines during the COVID period, actually sustained their practice, but several of the specialties we saw a decrease, like in dermatology, or possibly for orthopedic surgery, where if it was an elective surgery, those surgeries were pushed off, and that would be probably a temporary issue versus a long term issue. But one of the questions there was a recent survey that was performed by the American Association of Provider Compensation Professionals, a fairly new. Association, but they focus primarily on physician and non-physician practitioner compensation. Where the question was asked whether or not they kept the physician's compensation at a pre-COVID level, and the vast majority, 26%, said that they did, that they did keep the physician's compensation. This is looking at physicians of all specialties. So, 26% that they kept the physician's compensation at pre-COVID levels, but The vast majority, 74%, did not. And so they may have actually had the same type of productivity based compensation methodology, like $50 per work RVU. But if those work RVUs were not being performed because of COVID, then obviously that was not going into their income. So COVID did have a dramatic compensation impact on physicians, which again will bleed over into the benchmark data that's being produced or was produced in 2021, will be produced in 2022 and 2023. So we're going to see this COVID bubble go through the benchmark data. And then the same association, the American Association of Provider Compensation Professionals, Looked at the 2021 rebasing of WRVUs by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So, for those of you who are not aware, CMS, beginning in January of 2021, recalibrated the values of work RVUs. Now, According to CMS, when you took at CMS globally, and again they're the largest payer of of medical services in the country, that the reallocation of work RVU values was intended to be budget neutral. But not every employer of physicians have a representative uh, cross section of physicians that are equivalent to Medicare. So, by way of example, if you have a hospital that tends to skew heavily toward uh, primary care and not the specialist, then they are not going to have a physician panel that's similar to Medicare. And for those of you in academic medical centers or even children's hospitals with pediatrics, uh, you're not going to have a distribution of physician specialties similar to Medicare. And so the question was with respect to the rebasing of the work RVUs, Whether or not the rebasing of the work RVUs were going to be implemented by the physician employers. And get this, 80% of the respondents, and again, this is a survey conducted by the American Association of Provider Compensation Professionals, 80% of the respondents said that they were not going to implement the 2021 values because generally that would skew the compensation. And it's possible that, you know, depending upon the specialty, it would skew the compensation where that compensation could fall outside of fair market value parameters. So in a specialty where there's a higher Amount of work RVUs are being credited to a particular specialty, like, for example, oncology. When I took a look at the oncology values, there is an approximate 25% increase, just taking a look at from pre 2021 to post-2021, there's about a 25% increase in work RVUs for the exact same service. Obviously, in that situation, it is quite possible that if you kept the 2021 values, now the the biggest issue here is what is the compensation per work RVU? Because here I'm only talking about the work RVUs. And then to develop a salary, you have to take the compensation per work RVU or the conversion factor and multiply that by the total work RVUs in order to come up with a compensation. So if they kept the conversion factor, the compensation per work RVU the same and multiplied it by the heightened work RVU values, it could make that total cash compensation for that physician outside of fair market value parameters. So, again, 80% said that they were not going to implement the new 2021 values in 2021 and also 2022. Uh, Some of, and this is 12%, were going to adjust their conversion factor. So, they would apply the 2021 values but decrease the conversion factor, the compensation per WRVU. So, in the end, you're going to pay those physicians equivalent to fair market value based upon the same amount of services that they provided in, say, for example, calendar year 2020. But 8%, according to the survey, had a full implementation of the WRVU values. So, Again, organizations approach this differently, but I think the biggest fear in the full implementation of the 2021 values is whether or not the total cash compensation was going to fall outside of fair market value parameters. And that's really going to depend on what the base conversion factor was. As the base conversion factor was low, then there could be a higher likelihood of the compensation by application of the 2021 values, higher probability that compensation would remain at fair market value. But if the conversion factor was high, then by increasing the work RVUs, it could throw that total cash compensation outside of fair market value. And when the same association did a survey with respect to when they implement the 2021 values, what impact will that have on the applicable physicians? And most of them indicated that it would have a slight or no increase in total cash compensation. So here's the fear the fear is if we are going to, as an organization, increase the work RVU values and have an aggressive conversion factor then if most of the other organizations around the country are holding firm or decreasing the conversion factor then that could throw my physician compensation arrangement outside of fair market value solely from a benchmark perspective. And in other episodes, I talked about other indicators that you can apply except for strict adherence to benchmark data. But if you're going to look at benchmark data, your organization could be an outlier. And we won't know that probably until the 2022 or even the 2023 data, and you know the benchmark data is delayed by a year, so the, what is being developed in 2022 doesn't come out until 2023, et cetera. A lot of my clients are trying to hold firm and apply the 2020 WRV values until we can determine the impact on the benchmark data. And, that, and I'll put a big footnote there, and the big footnote is, unless there are market conditions that would warrant otherwise. And again, here I'm just talking a straight analysis based upon benchmark data. Now, another big thing that happened in the 2022 physician fee schedule affected the split or shared visit. Now, a split or shared visit would be Uh, Let's say, for example, you have a urologist that has a non-physician practitioner. Before the 2022 physician fee schedule, the non-physician practitioner could go in, see the patient, do a a workup on the patient, uh, perform some history examination or medical decision making with respect to that patient. And then later on in the day, the physician urologist would come in, see the patient face to face and also do any part of the history examination or medical decision-making for that patient. And if this was a shared visit and the the physician had a true face-to-face encounter and impacted and documented at least a part of the history, a part of the examination, or a part of the medical decision-making, then that could be billed as a split or shared service under the physician's provider number. So now what CMS is, is heading toward, it's not just that the fact that the physician had a face-to-face encounter, in addition to the non-physician practitioner, they're looking at this from a time perspective, which professional, either the NPP or APP or the physician, which professional had the greatest amount of time, and if, by way of example, the uh, nurse practitioner had 51% of the face time in front of that patient, but the doctor only had 49%, then CMS is saying that that encounter, that shared service must be billed under the nurse practitioner's provider number and not the urologist physician's provider number. And as we all know, that's a 15% cut. So where where this really comes into play from a physician compensation issue is how do you allocate credit, if at all, to that physician? Because that physician would have performed some of the service, so now we're getting less reimbursement. And usually from a fair market value perspective, you don't tie reimbursement to fair market value. But if that you're looking at that, I mean, how how do you go through and allocate that work review, especially if you've got the payer out there, CMS, saying that we're going to be paying based upon time? I think there's got to be some careful analysis with respect to what is the average patient encounter for this particular physician that you're employing, especially if it's productivity and let's let's say that we believe that on average the physician is only spending 40% of the time and if your system can actually account for the work RVUs that are being billed under the non-physician practitioner's provider number, you could give 40% of that credit to that physician. So, yeah, I guess that opens up a whole new can of worms uh, with respect to operationalizing these physician compensation arrangements because CMS, the payer, has implemented a different or new payment methodology with respect to these shared or split billing services. And another couple of quick themes in the 2022 physician fee schedule is CMS did some discussion with respect to the unit of compensation under the Stark law, and the unit of compensation could be an hour. It could be one year if it's a salary, like a fixed or base salary. Also, a unit of compensation could be a WRVU if you're paying a physician compensation per WRVU. So what they were indicating is that as you're looking at, and this really was under the context of whether or not you have an indirect compensation arrangement, and whether or not that compensation varies based upon the volume or value of services that are being referred into the designated health service entity, or in this case, a hospital. But I think that we get a broader approach from looking at how they defined a unit. A unit can be any divisible portion or what I call a component of compensation for a physician And you usually want to take a look at each component of compensation to determine if each component is representative of fair market value. And if they are, then hopefully the aggregate is representative of fair market value. But unless you're doing an indirect compensation arrangement analysis and only doing a fair market value, you could have a unit of compensation that may not be representative of fair market value, but still could be defensible if the total cash compensation is representative of fair market value. So now on to the three Captain Integrity punch points. Captain Integrity punch point number one is COVID and the 2021 physician fee schedule has had a double whammy on physician compensation and will have an impact on benchmark data. And so we have to be cautious on how we apply benchmark data uh, for years uh, 2022 and 2023, understanding this double whammy impact. And hopefully you guys understand that double whammy from, I I think it's called a a press your luck, where they go no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. But uh, yeah, we got the double whammy uh, with respect to both of those. Captain Integrity, punch point number two is with respect to the 2021 physician fee schedule work RVU values. We have to be very careful to look at total cash compensation and the impact on whether or not you're going to implement the 2020 values. And again, 80 percent based upon this survey said that they were not going to implement the 2021 values, basically locking in the 2020 values and continuing with the compensation per WRVU to make sure that there's total cash compensation still remains representative of fair market value. But I guess what I'm projecting that we're going to see is compensation probably is going to remain fairly flat, maybe a slight increase. We're going to see a large increase in some specialties in total work RVUs, but then we're going to see a a corresponding decrease in the conversion factor, the compensation per WRVU. That's probably what's going to happen. So that's the reason why we need to be proceeding cautiously. And lastly, captain integrity, punch point number three, we have to look at this shared split billing in the hospital and making sure that number one, operationally, you're putting in processes and procedures to account for the time, the face time in front of the patients to bill appropriately, either under the non-physician practitioner or the physician, whichever professional had the most face time for that encounter. And then you'll need to be very careful on how, if any, credit is given to the physician, especially if the physicians generally tend to spend less than 50% of the time in front of the patient. So you have to be very cautious of not only how you implement the billing uh, guidance, but also how you track the work reviews for compensation purposes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.